back to Talking Acoustics for 2020. Uh, we took a bit of a hiatus in 2019, um, mostly due to work commitments. Uh, if you go and Google uh, the Sydney Coliseum Theatre, you'll see some of the stuff that I've been up to um, in a professional realm in the last little while, but uh, we'll get the, back, the podcast back on track uh, for this year. Um, probably won't go back to a monthly format, but I am aiming to get uh, probably half a dozen episodes at least out uh, this year. In the first episode of the year, I get to catch up with Katie Tayen, who uh, is an environmental acoustic specialist. Um, she started out uh, with Heggies, who later became SLR, and for the last five years, uh, she's headed up the Newcastle office of EMM Consulting. We had the opportunity to catch up following the AGM of the Association of Australasian Acoustical Consultants recently. Hope you enjoy. So, Katie, how do you explain to people at a barbecue what you do for a living? Um, look, it's never a fast answer. I, I often, because a lot of the work that I do is in the environmental acoustics field, um, it, it's often very linked to the, the planning process, which is another area that a lot of people don't have a lot of knowledge of. So I start with that. I start with the fact that if someone wants to build a factory uh, or an industrial site, they, they have to do a noise impact assessment. And that's what I do. And I explain that we set appropriate noise limits, we model the noise using computer modelling, and we write reports to, to, for our, our um, proponents that have to submit their, their planning approvals. Um, our noise assessment goes along with that, and uh, the regulators make a decision about whether the noise limits are appropriate and whether they're going to I'd be happy with the noise emissions. And that kind of, um, I guess, leads on to sort of other questions. But, yeah, that's basically how I explain it. Like I said, it's never a quick answer. <laughs> and what? And uh, is there a certain... So you're certainly working in environmental acoustics. Yes. And in a particular sort of field or niche of that, or do you work broadly across... The, the main chunk of my work has been with, with mining. Yep. Um, so not just on the planning approval side of things, although that's certainly a, a big chunk of my work, um, but uh, on the noise compliance side of things. Mm -hmm. So it's not just at the initial stage of approval. Um, the, the mines have rules that they have to abide by every year that they operate, So um, which usually involves monitoring noise usually over night time often for quite long periods in the winter as well so i still get involved in in that side of things as well so you are you just fun. as excited about acoustics at um three in the morning in uh, the middle of the night and look i had an opportunity recently to go out and do some monitoring i haven't done for many years because i manage a team now that that does that um, but due to some, some people taking leave and high demand yep. for, for that service, um, I did have to go back out and, and spend a bit of time out in the cold, in the dark. Um, and it was, I, I, I did get excited about it, to yeah. be honest. I, yeah. I did like um, actually 
getting back on the tools and yeah. and, and um, hearing hearing noise again. Uh, yeah, it's um, it, it interests me. It is slightly funny, but there is there is something about going out in the middle of the night. Hmm. And it's a very different noise listening. environment. Yeah, or sound environment. Sound, yes, yeah, sound and noise. <laughs> That's uh, a topic of discussion. Yes. Yeah. Um, how did you end up where you are in acoustics and As an acoustics planning consultant? and environmental? How how did that path happen? Kind of by accident. Um, I was studying mechanics and mathematics at university. I really wasn't quite sure about where that was going to take me. I didn't have a very definite path. Um, but uh, this advertisement came up towards the end of my university career and sort of I was entering my final year. Um, I didn't really even know what an acoustics consultant was when I went for the, the job interview. Um, so they kind of told me roughly what it was like, and what, what my tasks would be. Yeah. Um, and I said, okay, I'll give it a go. Um, the rest is kind of history. Um, a, a lot of the knowledge that I use now in my work, I've learned on the job. Mm -hmm. um, I was very happy with my first employer. Um, so I was there for 12 years. During that time, I developed not only as a consultant, so learning the technical stuff, um, but as a team leader. So I started managing people, managing the office, um, and I really liked that side of my job as well. Mm. And that's probably the side of my job now that I sort of get the most enjoyment and um, satisfaction out of. Mm -hmm. um, but as I said, I still enjoy the, the technical side of things as well. How, how do you split your time how, or how does your time end up split on that now in terms of doing sort of practical engineering versus uh, the sort of um, team and project management side of things? I think oh, if I had to put a percentage on it, probably 80% uh, sort of mentoring, management, 20% sort of on the tools. Mm -hmm. um, that sort of varies depending on the project and workload and um, human resource issues. <laughs> and, and was that something that interested you as a graduate that you sort of looked at it and I'm just thinking about how our careers turn out mm. and, and yeah. whether that's something as a, you know, a 22-year-old coming out of uni that you look ahead and mm. you say, oh, I'd really like to be managing projects and teams and uh, versus... Uh, <laughs> Hmm. And on the tools? I think it was something that I, I wouldn't say it interested me, but I always saw it as a natural progression of, yeah. of how my career would go. And I was happy with that. Yep. Um, I really enjoyed this sort of steep technical learning curve initially. Um, but I do have some pretty good people skills. So mm. I sort of always knew um, that's where my career was going to go. Mm. Yeah. And what, uh, what, what are you most proud of that you've done to date career-wise? I think I really get a buzz out of providing a technical solution. So a, mm -hmm. a, a client comes to us with a problem yep. um, and I like being able to give them a very well-considered practical solution. That That's one side of my job that, that I really like. But 
I think the thing that I'm most proud of is actually growing my team, growing the technical skills of my team and, and being able to provide opportunities for them mm-hmm. um, to either mentor them directly, share my technical knowledge and help them grow, um, or basically just mentor them through the other non-technical stuff. So getting them, um, I guess, more advanced in their client management skills, um, and yeah, that side of things. There's not one, I guess, particular sort of project that I'm particularly that, that particularly stands out. Hmm. Um, I just like those little things that you do to satisfy a client on on every yep. every project. Yeah. Hmm. And what about uh, failure? Because failure is part of our. It's part. It's part of engineering. Can you tell it's, us about it's it. It's part of life. Um, I think. Have, I you, have, have you got a, a sort of a, a, a f- something that didn't go the way you thought it was going to go, and what you sort of then took from that? And um, sometimes you have to realise when you have to say, "I don't know," mm. or "I can't do this." Um, I can't, I can't really think of a good technical example of a failure, but I think the, the, the biggest learnings I've had over the years is that if you are struggling with something, it's important to ask for help mm. earlier, like sooner yep. rather than later. Yep. Um, and this is something that, that's happened all through my career. I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm still learning this sometimes. It's it's easy to think, oh, like I should be able to deal with this. I should be able to handle this myself and just try and struggle through. Um, sometimes we can't do that. Sometimes yeah. we need we need help. And yeah. I've I've been very fortunate in that. I've always been part of um, an organisation where we do have very good mentors and, mm. and everyone is willing to help each other out. Yeah. Um, not just within my organization but we i think as an a, an industry like yeah. the acoustics broader team yeah. our, our industry yeah. is is very um very uh, supportive mm. it's and a very collegiate sort of industry it definitely is um and you know we've 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 been in meetings this week with yes. all of our competitors sitting in a room talking about how we can make the industry better and what we should be doing to yeah to improve ourselves uh, and I don't think every industry is like that. No, no, definitely not. And it, it's, it's really, um, it's really nice to mm. be a part of that and to be able to sit around the table with what truly are our competitors in a, in a marketing, like in the market, open yep. market sense. Um, but to all be there and be on the same page and, and all be looking to, to do what, we think is necessary to to make the whole industry better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now you've also you've done some teaching as well. Is that right? You've done sort of some guest lecturing and and yes. been involved with some sort of education. Yeah. Projects. You can you can talk about that at all. That's and what you... something that I'm really really passionate about. Um, I'm actually doing my cert four in training and assessment oh, at right. the moment to sort of help that along. Yeah. Um, not long after I'd left uni, actually, I was invited back to the University of Newcastle to do some 
lecturing, there was a, a part of one subject was um, acoustics. Mm. Um, and because not many people sort of fall into that career after university, um, it was just good timing. The, the lecturer at the time was retiring um, and I was invited back just until they, they found someone to, to fill the position full yep. time. Um, it's something that I really enjoy providing to our clients as well. I love um, sort of helping improve others and helping others learn. Um, and it's something that I've always offered as part of my little bag of tricks, um, yep. that sort of add-on service to to help my clients understand the reports that I write, mm. yep. um, but also to help them do their jobs better. A, mm. a lot of our clients are in environmental teams, so they're managing the environmental issues on a, an industrial site to help them understand what an LEQ is, um, what an LMAX is, in some cases, how to measure it. Yep. Um, in some cases, um, people like the Tasmanian EPA, um, their environmental officers, helping them understand how to, to manage noise complaints. Um, it's a very technical language that a lot of people don't often get the opportunity to, to learn or understand. And I like being able to share that yep. and, and help others develop. Mm. Yeah, it's, um, I guess with any clients, the more they understand, the more educated decisions they can make about their own, their own future, about their own, yes. you know, destiny. Yep. <laughs> Always find it's good. The, the, the better, the better acoustically educated they are, the, uh, yes the better their decision making yep. tends to be even that if even when that goes against maybe the decision that you'd yes you'd like to make for them <laughs> but <laughs> if they can make that decision for themselves from a from a point of uh knowledge yeah um, that's better for everyone and it's not it's often not just the technical the technical language it's educating them through the policy mm. process as well yep um a lot of our work has to sort of fit within a certain policy framework and, and set of rules that the government sets for us. Yep. Um, and it's educating our clients through that process as well. Yep. And, and with, uh, with this sort of education uh, with university students, or I don't know if you've worked with high school students or, or anything like that either, mm -hmm. what advice would you give to people looking to get into acoustics or looking at a career in acoustics? Ask lots of questions yeah. and find out, like talk to people that are already in the, indus in the industry. Um, get, a, get a good understanding of, of what it's all about. Um, I think that's, that's true of not just the acoustics industry. I think that's true of any, any path that you want to follow. Um, just find out as much as you can about it. Yep. And maybe not just how it currently works, but figure out what sort of um, what sort of gaps there are like it, it mm. figure out a, a, a problem or a, a gap in in knowledge and and just try and fill it yeah mm. yeah um, what do you have um, still in acoustics that you want to do what what is the particular things that you sort of Sounds like the education space yeah, is I'm, something Yeah, I'm still that's... really quite passionate about that. Yeah. 
um, and I, I, I like um, I like that I also work in a multidisciplinary organisation. So it's I like being able to educate my my colleagues mm-hmm. as well on on noise. Uh, they often work in other technical areas like water quality or air quality um, or just the the planning approvals process. Um, so I think it's more about um, sharing my knowledge and developing other people's sort of knowledge of mm. our of our industry. Yep. Um, and and mentoring my group, mm. like helping helping grow others. The um, the mission statement of my organisation is create to create opportunities, mm. and and my my value set is very well aligned with that. And yeah. that's that's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, it's not really about me anymore. I, I feel like I feel like I still got a lot to learn, and I love that about my choice of career in doing studying engineering. I think it's a it is a lifelong learning process, yeah. and that's what I, I love about engineering. Full I stop. Feel, I feel like the more I the more I learn, the more I acknowledge that I don't know. Yeah. Every time I come to a conference, yep. I, I just go, oh, I thought I understood that, but no, there's some there's, nuance there's in that that always, I, I have not appreciated. Always lots to learn. And yep. I think, um, yeah, if if you stop learning, then you stop growing. Hmm. And um, yeah, I'm not ready to stop learning yet. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think the future of acoustics looks like? What do you think is going to change... In, in this as a profession in the next, you know, 10 years? It's funny. I was just talking to someone about this yesterday that um, in some ways the science of noise hasn't really changed in in my career or, or longer. Mm. Um, sound still behaves the same way. The physics of Rules sound of physics hasn't, haven't hasn't changed. changed. Um, I think it's obviously the technology side of things that's going to change, that's going to be the game changer for us. Um, I think what I've learned from this conference in particular is that there's a, there seems to be a bit of a shift change in the way the acceptability of noise is defined. Mm. It's not just about putting a number on it. Yep. It's, it's about putting some more subjective measures around it. Um, one of the keynote speakers was talking about um, soundscapes mm. and how we define a, a lot of my work is is around um, just minimizing noise from certain developments. But there is a place for sound yep. um, in many aspects of our lives. And it's not always bad. It's not always noise. And I like the idea of not just measuring sound and comparing that number to another number. I like the idea of putting some subjective measures around it. Like it, um, it's okay that there's a certain level of noise in, in some in some spaces. And, yeah. and I th- I'm kind of excited about how, mm. how that might turn out in the yeah. future and how there's obviously a lot more awareness of noise and how important it is to people's health and yep. and well-being, not just physical health, but the, how our level of enjoyment of life. So I think that's that's quite exciting mm. as to sort of how that will develop in the future. 
Yeah, I feel like that's an exciting path that's opening up mm. and, a, and a way for the acoustics community to add value to people's lives. Yeah. Um, there was a great example he had with the, he had some sort of noise of, sort of white noise, sort of like um, waves mm. or traffic. Um, yeah. And if you showed, if you played the same noise with um, either an image of traffic or an image of the mm. ocean, people responded very differently about whether they liked the noise or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really exciting area. Yeah. There's so much psychology yeah. in, in noise and, yeah. and that's, that's, that really interests me. There seems to be a big, um, or in the people I asked this question of anyway, is that um, amongst acousticians, music tends to be a really prominent thing in people's lives. Is, is, yep. Do you play an instrument? Is music, what does music, does it play a role in your life? <laughs> it, it definitely does, um, but not in a scientific or technical sense at all. Yep. Um, I learned a little bit of piano when I was younger, um, but I am probably how, uh, what most people would call tone deaf when it comes to either playing an instrument or singing. Um, but I could not live without music in my life. It, yeah. It's something that's really important to me. It, it, it helps me. It calms me. It, um, it helps me focus. Um, I, and I, I have my sort of um, favourites, I guess, in terms of styles of music, but I'm... I've listened to many, many different types mm. of music and it, it's something that is um, really important to me. Yeah. Um, but not in a not in a technical way, yeah. just in a, a yeah. enjoyment of life kind do, of way. Do you think that do you think that uh, had an impact on your choice of career? Like going from a mechanical engineering student to someone saying, Hey, there's this acoustics thing, does it Probably not. No? Music's not the link there. Um, I think my my interest in, I guess, mathematics and the enjoyment I get in providing a technical solution, mm. um, I think that's sort of more the, the driving force behind that yep. career path. Um, music would have been there regardless of what career path I took. Yeah. <laughs> so given, given that you have, um, you have now... Uh, these project management skills and these mm -hmm. people skills and team skills and uh, mathematics and um, all of this sort of skill set. Why? They're all highly transferable skills, particularly within a multidisciplinary team, to go off and do other yep. sorts of things. Why, why do you still do acoustics? Why do you? I do kind of get a little bit of a buzz out of the fact that it is, it is niche. Yep. It is something that not everybody understands and not everyone can do. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoy the um, the mathematical side of it. I, I think that's part of me that needs to be satisfied, no yep. matter what sort of career I take. Um, and, yeah, I, I like the sort of special nature of it, yep. that it is, is unique. It, it, as, a, as a profession... Um, We've probably, I think that the gender diversity is improving from a relatively low base, I think, when I yep. started at least. Um, do you think there's anything that we should be doing or could be doing to encourage um, 
more women to come into, I mean, engineering broadly, but, but mm -hmm. acoustics specifically? I think as a profession, and I guess we touched on it before, the collegial nature of it, mm. um, I, I feel like there's not, there's not a lot of barriers to women entering this industry. Um, it's not like, I guess, the more hard, um, I guess, boys club engineering mm. sort of, um, careers in that there's a lot of acceptance. There's a yeah. lot of um, really respectful um, men in, the, in this industry. My, and this is a question I get asked a lot because I often am the only woman in the room mm. um, at, at these kinds of um, conferences or um, or even client meetings. Yeah. Um, I, I would rather than focus on things like quotas and and that sort of, I, I sort of see that as a bit negative when it comes to how women are perceived in the workplace. I think it can sort of devalue the the um, the promotion of women in a sense. I would rather focus on, I guess, pulling down the barriers to women entering their career in the first place. Mm. Um, so sort of focus on a more positive side of things. But I think we also need to start by showing young women, girls in, in um, primary school, high school, that this is a real option for them. Mm. And I've, I've sort of started getting involved in that with um, presentations at universities for, for high school students, showing them what's possible. Yeah. Like I said, when I, I got to the end of university and I still didn't even know that acoustics was an option uh, yeah. that, or that it was even a thing. So I think the more that we can educate young women in that way, um, I think it'll just happen naturally because yeah. there are a lot of talented young women with the skills um, that are suitable to, to enter this kind of career. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. If you want to find some more information uh, about Katie's uh, current work, uh, you can check out emmconsulting.com.au. Uh, for more information uh, on the podcast, you can check out talkingacoustics.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>